0: Just before you start listening to this podcast, a reminder that we have a special subscription offer. You can get 12 issues of The Spectator for £12, as well as a £20 Amazon voucher. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher if you'd like to get this offer. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the new spectator USA website. I'm joined today by John Rick MacArthur who is president of Harper's Magazine and we're going to be talking about Elizabeth Warren. Now Rick, Elizabeth Warren has enjoyed something of a bump in the polls recently. Her campaign seems to have a little bit of momentum. How big a threat do you think she is as far as the Democratic nomination is concerned? Well, I'm I'm not sure because
1: I can't tell how much of her candidacy is self-propelled and how much of it is a bubble being created by the party establishment to block Bernie Sanders. Right now, the three top candidates, according to the polls, are Joe Biden, very much the Obama-Clinton wing of the party, Warren, who represents a regulatory reformist position, which looks increasingly left-wing, and Sanders, who's been consistently left-wing, but also outside the party. He sits with the Democrats, but he is officially an independent, whereas Warren has been more of a reliable party member since she
0: entered the Senate. Is the theory then that that she will be as left-wing as she possibly can to eat into the Sanders vote until he's destroyed. And then as soon as he drops out the race, she can go back to being a centrist like she perhaps was in around 2016.
1: Right. And the way or, or, or actually earlier and the way to, to gauge this is by reading the people who are booming her, who are promoting her, including the anti-Trump conservative uh, Republican David Brooks, uh, who's a columnist for The New York Times, Uh, Last month, or earlier this month, he wrote a column pointing out that Warren used to be closer in her politics to Betsy DeVos, who's the hated Secretary of Education because she favors charter schools, privatization of public schools, and so on and so forth, all of it anathema to liberals and left-wingers, and in other respects was more uh, uh, centrist or even uh, libertarian in her views, but abruptly changed. When she realized that the the winds of the winds were moving left, but then today in the Times he writes in, in uh, sort of an over the top column where he actually imagines the future where Warren has already been president, and he imagines a scenario, uh, he lays out a scenario where she gets the nomination and beats Trump against all odds, and then people realize that she's too left wing, she can't get any legislation passed, and Sanity is restored with a coalition-building build, liberals and conservatives. Uh, so the establishment, uh, certainly I see it in the New York Times and in the voice of Brooks and in the way she's being boomed in the press all over the country, is beginning to embrace the idea of a, of a Warren candidacy. And it satisfies a lot of things. It, 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 it satisfies feminists who want a female candidate to redeem Hillary Clinton. And it satisfies a lot of left-wingers who are impressed by her radical proposals, which to me are not that radical. I mean, she's now followed Bernie Sanders down the Medicare for All, national health insurance for for everybody. Although, as I pointed out in a previous podcast, this is not very radical. Harry Truman tried to do it in the early 50s. Yeah. Uh, And and of course, you've had it in the United Kingdom since the late 40s. So uh, it's not that radical. But she's also screaming about monopoly power and, and uh, uh, the dominance of Wall Street and so on and so forth, all things that Sanders has been saying forever, uh, and which are obvious to anybody who are, who, who's looking at the, the, the political situation, the Democratic Party is too close to Wall Street. It's- However, it seems that the establishment feels more comfortable with her, certainly, than with Sanders, who is a virus that has to be rejected
0: well but, i mean perhaps that's because uh i mean she was thought to be a threat to hillary clinton in 2016 wasn't she and 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 or 2015 in fact and then and then she kind of moved aside at the right time so perhaps the sort of the the democratic machine thinks that it can control her in a way it can't with sanders precisely and uh, i know from at least one of my friends in the
1: sanders camp uh, that they were very angry in 2016, the Sanders people, because Warren would not endorse him, even though ideologically, in theory, they're much more closely al- aligned than Warren would be aligned with Clinton. And it's it's worth watching on YouTube or whatever uh, an interview Bill Moyers did with her in 2015, where he practically begs her to run for president, and she won't do it. She just said, well, you know, there's I and, and in the end, she goes for the for the the old saw. It's time to have our first woman president. And yeah. she sticks with Clinton to the bitter end. And we know how that turned out. And if you understand my thinking and I get a lot of what I I know about politics from direct observation uh, in Chicago, New York and other places. Uh, but I follow the precepts of a, a political writer named Walter Carp who always said and i think he's almost always correct that the first obligation of a political party is internal control look at what boris johnson just did to the to the conservative party by uh, throwing people out of the party mm. if you lose control of the internal mechanisms of the party what's the point of being in politics to the to the point where you would rather lose an election with someone like clinton who's a reliable hillary clinton who's a reliable machine politician and will uh, respect the rules of patronage, then win against Trump with a reformer like Bernie Sanders who won't play ball. Uh, so
0: the Sanders but, people really do blame Warren, some of them, for, for Trump. But do you think you might be being a bit harsh on Warren in that she, she I mean, she has consistently talked about, you know, the dangers of monopoly capitalism. I mean, it, she had that book back in 2003, uh, The Two-Income Trap, that was, you know, showed a sort of clear line of thinking with what she says today.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying that she's insincere or inauthentic. Yeah. I'm just saying, in in her positions, I'm just saying that as a as a politician, as a political am, animal, she's much more compliant and uh, accommodating than Sanders. And so, if you're hoping for real reform in the country, if you're hoping that the country is going to get off the dole from Wall Street, so to speak, or the, uh, out from under the dominance of, of Wall Street, and you're hoping that there's going to be some effort to uh, make the, pub- the school system more egalitarian, and if you hope that there's going to be a less aggressive foreign policy, less militaristic foreign policy, yeah, sure, you, you, you know, Warren might fit the bill, but Sanders is a much surer bet I mean, he means what he says. There is no getting around what Bernie Sanders says. And, I, by the way, it, it, there's another thing that people are saying now. It's becoming common currency to say that Warren is more personable than Sanders. Sanders has personality defects. Uh, he's there not he clubbable. He's, grou- he's grouchy. He's grouchy. He uh, he doesn't uh, return phone calls. I get this from all sorts of people. He shouts at his interns, whereas Warren is always on the phone calling people, talking to them she's set the record for selfies she's a regular guy who, who or
0: gal who will uh who can who can uh warm people up she tried a bit too hard with that beer drinking episode did you see that i didn't see that she tried to look uh, regular by having a beer at home and it looked like she'd never drunk a beer before in her life yeah and i do
1: feel honestly that uh and i'm sorry to have to put it this way that sanders has a better chance of beating trump than warren because he's a white male, and because he spoke directly to white male angst in 2016. It's why he won the Wisconsin and Michigan primaries against Hillary Clinton. It's because he was an arch critic of NAFTA, the trade deal with China that Clinton, these two big trade deals that Clinton engineered, Bill Clinton engineered, which have accelerated the uh, delocalization, as we say, the, uh, the sending of jobs overseas to cheap labor locales, and yeah. and so that's what he spoke directly to their problems. They know it, and he he has a better chance of winning back the white working class
0: that handed it to Trump, I think, than Warren. But do you think Warren Warren's recent surge in the polls, or uh, surge is probably putting it a bit strongly, but she's certainly growing in the polls. Do you think that's down to her eating into Sanders voters, eating into kind of millennial Sanders voters, or? And do you think she can tap into those white working class voters? Yeah, I think she is stealing from Sanders. And that's the whole point of all
1: this campaign to promote her as a viable candidate coming from The New York Times and The Washington Post and elsewhere. I don't think she's going to do so well with the white working class because she's a Harvard law professor. She actually grew up in the white working class like Sanders. So she has a bona fide working class background but i'm just saying as a as an observer of politics she's not as convincing to me as sanders is and she's been and she's again too ready to compromise with the clinton uh, obama faction of the party which is all about power fundraising and and keeping it playing it safe sanders is not going to play it safe
0: and everybody knows it yeah, we, we we've spoken on this podcast before a few times, I think, about about Sanders. But I've been quite struck at how badly Sanders' campaign is going compared to how well I think we both thought it was going to go when he began.
1: Yeah, I, I always thought that they would trip him up. The Times, the New York Times, uh, attacks on Sanders, editorials masquerading as news stories, and news stories masquerading as editorials. I guess are just astonishing. It's just a relentless attack on him. It's the same thing the Washington Post did in 2016. And they, they, they really hate him. But you can't blame them entirely for his kind of wooden, not very personable
0: presentation. But, but in, the, in the topsy-turvy political world we live in now, I mean, being constantly attacked by the New York Times is usually pretty good for a candidate. I mean yes. it certainly you know the Washington Post gave as as Harper's reported brilliantly I think Tom Tom Franks wrote it the Washington Post was unbelievably biased against Sanders and it and he still very nearly won the nomination right but but for uh, Elizabeth
1: Warren's la- <laughs> support she did, she wouldn't she wouldn't go against the party and against a female candidate to support him and I'm afraid it's going to be the same problem this time if we get to the convention or close to the convention with the vote divided between Biden, Warren, and or the delegates divided between Biden, Warren, Warren and uh, and Sanders, I don't think you're going to see Warren and Sanders coming together to create a fusion candidacy. It's more likely it's going to go the other way. Warren and some establishment Democrat, I can't imagine Biden would accept the vice presidency, and I doubt that Warren would agree to be Biden's vice president. But you'll see some kind of Fusion candidacy being created in this, in the center or the center right of the party, because everyone's going to be saying to her, you can't get elected if you're too left wing, which again, and there's no there's yeah. no
0: I mean, there's been talk of a Sanders Warren ticket, but that's that's sort of, that's not really practical, is it?
1: Well, I doubt that they would agree to do it. I doubt that the two of them would uh, would go for it. I, I doubt that Warden would accept it. But more importantly, it's doubtful that the the mainstream Democratic Party would accept it. More likely, they'll try to impose an establishment Democrat on Warren if she gets that far. I mean, it's it, you know these are things that are hard. It's hard to predict. We don't know how the, the, the first primary is still several months away, five months away, and uh, the Iowa caucuses. And uh, so we can't we can't know how it's going to play out. I do think Biden is going to falter because he's such a poor candidate and he's so compromised by his past legislative history so brilliantly described by Andrew Coburn in Harper's Magazine. You really can't do worse than Biden in this current context, where everybody says they're a progressive, and Biden keeps saying, I want to reach out to the right-wingers and work with them. That's what he keeps saying, against all odds, against all advice. And so he's going to have a very hard time getting the nomination. But if he survives... Uh, I think you're going to see a brokered convention or a brokered deal between between him and Warren rather than between
0: Sanders and Warren. But, I mean, everybody has expected Biden to kind of collapse and falter. But he just, I mean, perhaps it's just through yeah. name recognition or even being the biggest donkey in the room, as it were. But it, his campaign is still, I mean, he's still almost on double the points of Warren in a lot of states. I, I mean, uh, it, it seems that despite his lack of coherence or even effort at times, he seems to be the leading candidate by a long way. Well, yeah. And, and I get it from
1: even cab drivers saying I'm for Biden because they've been fed this line now that only Biden, only a centrist, a stable uh, centrist can defeat Trump. And I think that's wrong. I think that's uh, foolish. But uh, that's that's the party line. That is literally the party line. Sort of like uh, the reason all the uh, jobs are going to cheap labor locales in Mexico and China and Vietnam is because of automation. That's not because of cheap labor. Uh, That's the party line. That's the Democratic Party line. The Democratic Party line is you can't beat Trump with a reformer or a left winger. You just can't be done. And if you say it over and over again, some
0: people will believe it. Well, Rick, I think we'll be checking in with you on uh, Bernie, Elizabeth Warren and Biden soon. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite.